Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by our managing director, Mark McCarran. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Rory. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Let me clear my voice a little bit, a little hoarse this morning. We're uh, being joined by our friend and repeat guest. He's a managing director at Enterprise Technologies. He holds the designations of CPA, CGMA, and CITP. He is a current is a current AICPA chair. He leads the Center for Accounting Transformation. He's somebody who's at the forefront of technology and innovation, and we're here to talk about uh, ESG, ESG reporting, and how uh, accountants and accounting firms can meet increasing demand for this type of service offering. So without further ado, let me welcome our friend back to the podcast, our guest, Donnie Shimamoto. Donnie, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Ray. It's great to be back. All right. Well, Kyle, let's start out here. I want to give our audience, or for those who don't know you, um, a little bit of background on your role you know, with the Center for Tran- Accounting Transformation and, and what you're doing over at Enterprise Technologies. Sure. Like you mentioned, we, we deal in the innovation space. So most people think of that as technology, but in some cases, it's different business practices like ESG reporting. So uh, our job is really to kind of stay abreast of what's happening, figuring out how it's relevant or not relevant, when it's ready for adoption. Uh, That'll get you towards the second half of what we do, which is enterprise risk management. And when I use the word enterprise, I mean the like holistic view of what's happening in an organization. So whether you're a small business, family office, whatever the case may be, it's about looking at not financial risk in a silo, not technology risk in a silo, but the whole picture of risk and how that works together. And actually, again, ESG is a really good uh, complement to that because ESG helps to surface the non-financial risks. That, that's interesting uh, that, that you bring up the, the idea of, of thinking about these things not as individual silos. Because like as an advisor, I would say like one of the things that I think about is, of course, any question that somebody has on the ESG space is going to be, well, how is this going to affect my returns? And that certainly should be part of the conversation, but not 100% of the conversation. Um, so I, I think something that would like equip an advisor like me would be understanding how ESG reporting works. So could you talk a little bit about like how reporting may affect like how like a particular fund may be constructed by an ESG manager so, so that like an advisor maybe knows like what to look for when they're, when they're trying to make an ESG decision um, for an investment client? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that by taking a step back into kind of the bigger picture of ESG and why is ESG here? So really ESG, and ESG itself, so environmental, social, and governance is really looking at the other aspects. I would, if I put financial as the fourth, there's like, we look at it as there's these four aspects that I look at. We all traditionally look at the financial aspect, but to really drive good financial results, you actually need to consider the way the organization makes decisions, how it manages its risks and its ability to actually fulfill Uh, its forecast, right? A lot of that is actually going to come from that governance, the G aspect of it. So how is the the organization governed? Comes back to corporate governance, part of what we do within the accounting space. But then we're also trying to look at the bigger picture of, well, is the organization a good citizen? You know, that's going to come back to this environmental piece of, okay, 
Uh, are you actually polluting the environment, right? With everything, and we've seen this environmental, this green movement go back, what is it, well over a decade, maybe even two decades now. So this E, this e or environmental space is actually an evolution of the sustainability reporting, which actually goes back to integrated reporting and integrated reporting in our accounting spaces is from the 90s. So that leads to S and the S is, is social. This social aspect also came up a while back when we were looking at all the supply chains and so conflict minerals and blood diamonds and use of slave labor, like all of that's kind of falling into there. But even more importantly today is this whole concept of safety and the pandemic and how are we protecting not just our customers, but also our employees and our suppliers, right? That's all falling under this social aspect. So is it's going beyond just the business itself and looking at is the business, how is the business viewing its own employees, its customers, the community that it's in? So through, you know, through looking at the world or looking at a business through these different lenses, you can see where it is this broader holistic view as a business, which in today's world is really needed for a business to truly be successful. It's not just about what's coming down to that bottom line. Yeah, that makes total sense. And to kind of dive in here, Donnie, can you touch on uh, SASB, you know, tell our audience what that is, and then about the increased filings that are occurring year over year and, and where we're at now? Sure. So just the same way we have the FASB, right, Financial Accounting Standards Board, there is a SASB, Sustainability Accounting Standard Board, Standards Boards, and they are actually, so you can think of them as the FASB of the ESG world. They're creating the standards around what is reported? How is it reporting? What are the right metrics? What are the right way to measure what's being reported? Um, but we should also mention that there's several different types of forms of what comes up uh, within the ESG world. So we've got the SASB report. There's an integrated report. I mentioned that's actually been around since the 90s. There's different regulatory filings, depending upon which jurisdictions you're in. There's also a sustainability report itself. That, that one's really focused more on the uh, environmental and some labor aspects. So what we're seeing right now in the market, though, is a consolidation of these. And, I'm, and I, it's escaping my mind right now. But recently, we've actually seen where the standards are starting to come together. And so for us in accounting, that tells me we're seeing some maturity around in this space because people are willing to agree that there should be a fairly universal standard, the same way we have GAP or IFRS, a fairly universal and international standard around how this is reported. Interesting. Okay. Um, I actually have a question. I know I said that we shouldn't make all decisions, obviously, driven entirely by uh, expected returns of the market or expected returns of, of a particular investment strategy. Um, but I did note in your presentation that, that companies that primarily target social environmental issues um, see that they they're expecting that they outperform their uh, their peers by by somewhere between three and six percent. Um, what are your thoughts on on what drives that return um, and what may drive it going forward? Sure, I think I think there's really two things that drive that. So one, because a lot of these other these other aspects, environmental, social governance, are really about an organization's understanding of how it works the risks that it's facing and the controls that it puts into place to be able to manage those risks or guide the decisions that are being made. What you're generally gonna see is a more mature organization. So they're not just kind of going by the seat of their pants. They're not just throwing numbers out there. 
they are actually really thinking through and have good guidelines that help throughout the entire organization figure out how do we make these decisions? How do we align to strategy? So, and, and what is our strategy and how do we impact? You know, again, they're looking at this bigger picture of environment, the environment, communities, social, and then the way that we make decisions. So it's, I think you're actually seeing a more mature business, which in the end tells you it's gonna trickle throughout everything, right? Better operational decisions, better financial decisions, better marketing decisions, better sourcing decisions. And that's gonna then provide that return that you're seeing. Interesting. So I, I have a follow-up to that then. So, um, you know, I, I have seen the theory that um, that within ESG, we shouldn't necessarily just throw out some of the old stalwarts. And, and there's there's one theory that I wouldn't call anti-ESG, but it's it's sort of a, a, a conflicting theory that it's like, if if we were to, to su- like further support some of these like large mega, mega cap companies, like Think about, you know, the devils of this world of like Exxon, Chevron, EOP, stuff like that. Um, do you think that there's any advantage to this idea of like incentivizing companies that already have this super large infrastructure um, with ESG endeavors, like while still allowing, you know, certain parts of, say, say like fossil fuel, the, the, like the issue that, is, that ESG may have with, with one of these companies would be like fossil fuel production bring but that's not going away right now, right? Like we don't have battery powered cargo ships or planes right. yet. So it has to exist. Um, what do you th- what do you think about that argument of uh, of ESG actually being able to to creep into the mega cap, you know, like old devil space? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one I think one of the purposes of ESG and environmental impact reporting, which is going to come back to the sustainability place, uh, sustainability area, is this concept of balancing. So when you start to look at the sustainability reports, it always it, they're often trying to say this is our impact. This is the carbon, right, that we're emitting into the environment. And the way that the company offsets that is they buy these carbon credits from the companies that are green. So even if you've got someone that is one of the traditional industries that's causing the pollution, what it says is, well, if you're profiting off of the pollution you're creating, at least take some of that profits and shift it by investing back into or paying for carbon credits so that you see the profit getting shifted back over back into the green space. So to me, I, if I'm looking at those industries, then, I'm, then I would ask, well, what are you guys doing to balance out your impact, the negative impact that you're having? Yeah, yeah we had so- uh, Forbes, Jason Bisnoff, who's the uh, one of the staff writers uh, over there on the podcast, Donnie, and he was talking about how uh, there was a CNBC report in 14 years, GM won't be using ExxonMobil. So, you know, these things are being pushed um, by innovation here and forcing companies like ExxonMobil to to try to to reform and change to to stay sustainable and and survive. Yeah. And I think, you know, the the interesting these standards is it's really looking at the greater picture and we're seeing a greater uh, focus, I think, internationally uh, just on the whole, the concept of, you know, ethos and morality and what did you do, right? So, because you, because you bring, I think it was ExxonMobil that had the, the, the scandal, uh, was it in South Africa or, or in the Congress or something that one of those petroleum companies had that scandal and they said, you know, we, we, we adhere to every single law, which is true, 
but did you look at the intent of what you were doing and the impact that it actually caused? And that's where that contention comes from, right? So when people view, look at it, it's, yeah, you, you did something that was legal, but is it actually ethical? And that same, this whole ethical concept again came up with the pandemic because, okay, yeah, you operated as a business, but did you provide protection to your employees? Did you put up the right barriers to protect customers? Are you putting the right procedures in? Like employees that are preparing food must wear masks the entire time, right? All of that type of thing becomes, it's legal for you not to do it. It's legal for you to be open, but what really is the ethical thing to do? Should you be shut down? Should you be following higher than the minimum requirement um, by law? For sure, for sure. And, you know, let's shift a little bit here to private entities, Donnie. You know, they may not directly attract investors, you know, with ESG reporting. Uh, they still can reap the benefits of addressing these ESG issues. Can you kind of talk about how private entities uh, should be viewing these ESG issues? And then, you know, for accounting firms who advise these private companies, you know, how can they help them uh, in regards to this as well? I, mean, I mentioned earlier that these, when you look at the, the, the increased return on these types of entities, it's my hypothesis is that it's indicative of higher maturity in the way the organization is operating. And so if you start to look at the universe of ESG issues that it's addressing, there is environmental, which as we look at smaller businesses or family offices, like, ah, I don't know if, I don't know if we're really going to follow that. But the areas, and governance, business model and the ability to innovate, the amount of social capital, and then the amount of human capital. Right? These are all, all aspects that are relevant to pretty much every business. And if you think about it, even from a, from a simple business valuation standpoint, when a business valuation person is coming in, they're not just looking at the return, they're looking at the whole structure of business, what's going on. If, if the owner were to exit, what's, what's gonna happen? So if, if any of these smaller businesses or family offices are really optimized what they're doing, they can use ESG framework to say, all right, which, what are the best in class, even large companies doing? And how does that make sense for us as a smaller business? And that's where the opportunity for accountants comes in. It's not in the actual creation of the ESG reports because small businesses don't have to create these reports. It's about looking at that bigger picture and going, well, how does this apply to a particular client? How do we make this relevant? Which of these points are, are important? And then for, especially the people coming from more of an audit space, it's looking at, well, what does the standard say about what the control should look like? Which controls in small businesses never look like the textbook controls. We always have to readapt those and figure out how do we create the compensating controls or how do we achieve the same thing with less people or less, less complexity? It really makes, when you do this scaling down, it really makes it affordable for small businesses to use these types of frameworks to guide, again, kind of decision-making and the way that they manage their risks and look at the holistic business. That's interesting. It really speaks to the fact that this stuff is, is incredibly difficult to measure. It doesn't mean that we don't endeavor to do so. Um, you know, the E is somewhat measurable, you know, to your point of like carbon credits uh, or any like environmental impact that is measurable, like uh, in the amount of CO2 emissions or, or 
or pick your measurement. But S and G is a lot is a lot trickier. Like measuring a, a social impact or a or a governance impact, especially in like a, a constantly changing world. Um, it, it seems like a, a political narrative conversation as much as any, but but one that still needs to be had, um, which actually leads me to my next question. So like thinking about emerging technologies, like how do you see that kind of affecting ESG going forward? So my first thought are things like like cryptocurrency or Web3, the metaverse, you know, it's these are the topics du jour, but we certainly need to think about these things in the ES, ESG lens of like, is it gonna be good for our children to be, you know, in headsets, like potentially talking to strangers all day, you know, like that kind of stuff has already come out and like, I haven't even worn an Oculus headset yet, but we already know that this is an issue. Um, right. could, you, could you talk on that, on those points a little bit? So let's, let's take what you just, this whole concept of children, right? And the impact to children and child welfare. And that is actually falling under the social aspect of it. So does the business actually look at whether products or services, whether they're digital or not, and the impact to society. So again, it's not just about employees, right? So whether there's a safety concern, whether there's a um, exposure to explicit materials, you know, whatever it is, that's, that's part of this framework. And so has a business actually considered that products? Um, the other one you mentioned, the impact on the environment, well, let's look at cryptocurrency and blockchain. Currently, one of the big limitations in these technologies is that they use so much energy. It's why you're not seeing broad adoption of blockchain within business. It's just not economically or environmentally sustainable right now. So until those types of problems are solved, we are, are, are solved. We're not going to see, I think, broader adoption of, of these types of technologies. But you know, I, I really want to bring it back to this whole concept too. You know, you mentioned the measurability of it. It's the decision-making world is really changing, I think, a lot. And the pandemic, again, brought this out. That the whole concept of ethics and is a business being ethical? We saw all the papers, right? And whether you lean left or right, whichever it is, you're seeing more about either someone's leaning left or other leaning right. So whichever side of the spectrum, political spectrum you hit on, this type of reporting is starting bring up this type of information then informs the consumer who's who whether they lean left or middle to go i may want to do business with them or i may not want to do business with them the other big thing to think about it when you look at this from a people standpoint you know we're right now we're in this thing that everyone's calling the great resignation is that people are making more decisions around well is this the company I want to work with? How does, company, how does this company make decisions? The younger generation in particular is really sensitive to purpose and ethics. That's, that's what we're seeing from the species. They want to work for a company that has a good purpose that is making a positive impact in the world. They want to work for a company that is ethically making the right decision, not just the profitable decision. And part of this whole resignation has been you know what if you're gonna work us like dogs and you're gonna yeah. you know not do the right thing we're gonna resign and we're gonna go find somebody else that is gonna do the right thing yeah we had uh fortune magazine on a couple weeks ago donnie and she was talking about this great resignation actually being the great reshuffling so mm -hmm. you know i'm fascinated by this social impact that that has on recruitment you know like mm -hmm. uh these things uh, uh uh in this great reshuffling um, can play huge dividends, especially for the next generation, the Gen Z out there who are looking for these 
um, yeah. these uh, these social impact uh, type causes. Well, then actually, we should we should look at it because it's also not just about that. You know, innovation and digital transformation is like the big buzzword right now. So I think that's another piece that we're seeing a lot of attention in, which is. Uh, you know, I mentioned one of the sustainability aspects is business model and innovation. And so is the organ is the business this older legacy business that's operating like an older legacy business and none of the young ones today want to work there. I, I even would go as far to say a lot of us that are kind of in the middle age also are kind of like, you know what, I'm not going to stay with the sinking ship. I'm going to go and find something else that's better. So you know, you're, I think you're right. I think it's the reshuffling. And it's the reshuffling to these better sustainable um, businesses. And I don't mean sustainable in the environment sustainable. I mean sustainable, meaning we're going to see this business go out into the future. All right, Donnie, could we actually talk about um, bringing it back to accounting firms? How are accounting firms integrating um, like the, in, the assurance of ESG and reporting into their offerings to their, to their corporate clients? Right, right now, it's again, it's kind of following under the integrated reporting. So if, if firms are thinking about it or if they're already doing it, it's go, go back to what you may have done in the 90s uh, around this integrated reporting or sustainability reporting. Uh, I, I'll point out as well, too, that we in the U.S. are not seeing as aggressive adoption as we're seeing internationally. So, for example, I know Australia is has been pushing forward very aggressively on this. We're seeing even smaller firms in Australia go there. So some people immediately go, well, then I don't need to do it here in the US. I'm gonna flip that and say, there's an opportunity to be one of the front runners in the US and get in there early because once the wave does come and hit us and you know it will, uh, because of the amount of green people and the attention to the green movement we've seen in the past here, that if you can be one of those that says, oh, we've been doing this for like 10 years or five years, you know, whenever that wave hits, if you're starting and getting into it now, you'll be able to say that we've been doing this for a long time. It's the same way with even with like my firm, you know, everyone's talking about this digital transformation, this business transformation, and they, a lot of people are saying, yeah, we've, we've just, we've started working in this. We've been doing this for a few years. Well, we've been doing this for 20 years. And we can say that we, our firm has been dedicated towards this type of activity for 20 years. Uh, when, we, when we go back and think about the how much better that positions your firm a lot of this is actually from an from an actual service execution standpoint the same thing you would do in an audit except it's around non-financial information so you're attesting to the representation and the the assertions that are being made around the numbers or the fact that certain controls are in place uh, around sustainability and so it's it's a there's a direct correlation. It's just a different subject matter than finance or than dollars. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, I know you touched on one of your slides here, Donnie, uh, about Larry Fink, chairman uh, and CEO of BlackRock, and how they want to change the course of investment through better disclosure uh, and better data, and they want more companies to report through uh, SASB and, and TCFD. Can you kind of talk about how? These investment managers are, are really uh, really leading the charge here um, uh, in this ESG world that we're living in and how they're advising not only their companies, but the, the companies they invest in um, to, uh, uh, to start reporting and, uh, and, and sure. using these systems. So, so I'm going to take you back towards the, this whole concept of, you know, when we look at business valuation. And so 
because I'm, I'm not an investor and I don't do investment management, but from a business valuation standpoint, we're looking at more non-financial metrics or measures and understanding of business to actually value the business. And so the investment managers do the same thing, right? Their, their responsibility is to go and mm -hmm. look at each of these companies, what are they doing? So in my mind, what I'm, what I'm seeing when BlackRock and State Street are coming out and saying, hey, you should be looking at this more, is they're asking almost to make their jobs easier so that the company come in, report on this, auditor come in, attest to it. Now I don't have to do that research. I know that I can just rely on the information that the company's publishing. And by the way, it just so happens to correlate to better returns as well, right? So that, that's kind of my, like completely my opinion on, this is why I think that's happening because it, it actually makes their job easier. Yeah, I would agree with you. It definitely makes a lot of sense. It's like, if, if you can just give me a score and then I can create a, an investment product that weights things based on that score and then charge an investment manager fee on it, sounds, sounds super easy, right? Because if you, if you have to create your own process in-house, like if State Street or, or uh, you know, Dimensional Fund Advisors or, or BlackRock had, had to come up with their own, it basically opens them up to being judged on their process. If they say there's this national process, this like leveled process, then it's 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 becomes much 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 easier because it's not it's not our our our, our scoring our composite our decision making it's it's theirs. So yeah. I I agree with you. It does it does seem that way. I'm sure that it's more complex than that, but I had the same first thought as you on that one. We we all know smart smart people try to make their work easier. That's why they always say, you know, don't hire the lazy or actually, I actually, wait, sorry, I did that wrong. It's actually lazy people try to make their work easier. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So do you have any uh, other pieces of advice or uh, words of uh, wisdom here in regards to, to ESG, Donnie? I, I think, you know, the, the one air, other area that we really haven't touched on that is part of the ESG framework is also cybersecurity. Because we've talked about, you know, business model innovation and really looking about that. We've talked about ethics. We've talked about um, supply chain. Um, and then also the fact that it's part of the greater community. So cybersecurity too, remember, is an aspect of that. Innovation is balanced by risk management. So cybersecurity, securing all this down. Uh, even you look at the PCAOB, the, the increase in their focus on cybersecurity and cybersecurity incidences. Uh, requiring more uh, timely disclosures around that. So we've seen the whole SEC, everybody kind of come around it. So all of this innovation, all of this good stuff, like the business ethics also has to be balanced and properly protected. And that is really about the protection of a customer's private data and employees' private data. But, you know, really the ones that get into the papers is usually the customer. So it's when you have a data breach around credit card information leaking or social security numbers leaking. So whether it's the firm themselves, making sure that they are actually protecting their client's data or that their clients are protecting their customer's data. You know, that's the big thing to also think about is that you don't want to be the one that ends up in the paper. And now okay. you've got reputational risk. And people that say, oh, I'm not going to do business with them because they had a data breach. So just to kind of, I hate to end with fear, but that's the one other aspect that also falls into this ESG framework that businesses and firms need to make sure that they're addressing. 
Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, Donnie, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about ESG um, you know, and its frameworks. We'll put uh, your deck that you shared with us uh, in the show notes so people can and view that. If someone wants to get a hold of you uh, and, and, um, and reach you, and, 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 uh, hold on, I'm going to edit that. <laughs> uh, Donnie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Talking about ESG, ESG reporting. This is a lot of great information. If uh, any of our audience members want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn, and it's Donnie Shimamoto, uh, S-H-I-M-A-M-O-T-O. But uh, also my email is at enterprise, I-N-T-R-A-P-R-I-S. Yes. And the Center for Accounting Transformation is improvetheworld.net. Is that correct? That is completely correct. And the center is a great example what we've done is we've looked at this whole concept of purpose and branding and really incorporated yes. that there. That's why we're not center for accounting transformation.net. We're improve the world. We believe that all accountants have a responsibility to help improve the world. And part of that is through ESG reporting. I love it. I love it. We'll list all this information, in the show notes, we'll put the decks that you've provided us in the show notes as well for the audience. Donnie, thank you so much for coming on. You're a great friend of the show. And we look forward to having you on again in the future. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks, Donnie. Thank you, Mark. Thanks.